For important disclosure information, please visit acgwealthmanagement.com forward slash podcast disclosure. Hello and welcome to ACG Wealth Management's podcast, Beer Markets. I'm Bobby Moyer and I'm joined with my colleague, Sandy Wiggins. How are, you, how are you doing, Bobby? I'm doing great, Sandy. How about yourself? Good, good. We've got a lot of fun stuff stuff to talk about today. I think this is going to be a good conversation. This has been a fun, you know, 48 hours, I guess, going back to yesterday. We got that CPI reading and, and then the Fed meeting today. Um, nothing more. I'd like to have a beer and listen to Chair Powell talk about the economy and maybe tell some fibs a little bit that I, that I think. But we'll get to that in a minute. How about that? Yeah, yeah. Maybe he was drinking before he got on TV. Yeah, maybe. But uh, pretty interesting stuff for sure. We'll get into it. So today I am going to have a victory uh, victory brewing IPA. Victory is a, a group out of Pennsylvania back uh near where, or up where I'm from. I can't believe I'm from, you know, where Pottsville, PA, where Yingling's from, and I haven't featured Yingling yet. That's coming now. Uh, but today I'm, I'm going with one of my favorite summer uh, beers. Uh, I don't know why I don't drink it outside of summer, but it is a Sour Monkey. It is has a high ABV. I wish it was lower, but, you know, for one beer uh, to talk markets, I think it'll be all right at 9.5. And, and Victory's been around for 25 years in, from Downingtown, Pennsylvania. It is, uh, this beer's a little bit tart, uh, but it's good. I enjoy it when it's hot outside and, you know, just want to have, you know, maybe maybe one beer. So I'm going to crack this open and, and drink it. Sandy, what about you? Yeah, I'm going to, you, you know a lot more about your beer than I do mine. I'm just a casual uh, enjoyer of the uh, Hardywood Lager, Richmond Lager. Hardywood is a local uh, brewery here in Richmond. I'm sure our, some of our audience in Richmond is very familiar with that. Um, they've got two great locations, a lot of good things going on in the community, and, and a great place to hang out. Well, good. Well, enjoy. So, Sandy, I guess let's just, you know, today is June 14th. We are filming after the close or recording after the close. And we got a Fed decision today at 2 o'clock, as I mentioned earlier. And uh, the, the Fed chair, you know, gave his press conference and, and is finished now probably maybe a little over an hour or so. And, you know, the markets really didn't like. They were up all day or most of the day outside the Dow. The Dow was down, but that, I think, was because of United Health. Uh, I think shaved 100 points off the Dow or some crazy number. Uh, but the S&P was up most of the day, sold off, you know, after the Fed uh, began speaking and announced their decision, but rallied back and finished essentially flat for the day. The Nasdaq similar uh, sold off and um, finished positive. It looks like small cap has coming in um, at a little bit more than a 1% loss for the day. So there, they didn't get that rebound that, that you saw with um, some of the other uh, broad index, indices. But let's set the, I guess let's set the stage and we could talk about CPI yesterday. And CPI was, you know, something that we've been following and, and inflation has been, uh, you know, stubbornly high, but has begun to come down a little bit. And when we saw a pretty strong, you know, release in in the number down down in that four percent range for for CPI for the month uh, the twelve the twelve month month over month um, for May that was released in June. Yeah, and the big the big aspects of it are you know shelter, 
used cars and car insurance really make up the biggest part of what the inflation reading was for the for the last month. And we also have a good bit of uh, of the factors that are deflationary. So certainly things are improving given what the Fed's been doing and working so hard to achieve over the last 12 months. Yeah, and the other thing that you kind of have to look at is, you know, where were we a year ago? And, you know, the May reading from 2022 was one of the highest readings of the year. Not quite as high as June of last year, so we have that to look forward to and we'll get to. But last year it was, I believe, 0.9. So you roll off a 0.9, you roll on a 0.4, from a month over month perspective and you get a big drop in in CPI and you look at that coming out there's a, a maybe a strong possibility I'll say Sandy I don't know maybe maybe not strong that's debatable but that we're going to see 3% 3.0 inflation on the June reading which will come out uh I guess July 13th or somewhere mid mid July something like that yeah and 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 so this month looks favorable next month's going to look favorable we're going to get probably a little bit of a tick up in inflation readings because of that month over month data in August. But yeah. things are certainly. Yeah, July was negative in 2022. So you got the two big ones and a negative and, and we'll see where we are. But yeah, you're, you're right. Maybe you see a tick up, but getting to 3% is, I, I think, a kind of a, a pretty positive sign for the fight, on, fight against inflation. We should drink champagne today instead of beer. That, yeah, that's right. That's right. And, you know, the other thing, you know, if you want to be bullish, which you could find anything in the data, and, and this is kind of where Powell was finding anything negative in the data, maybe, and when we're looking maybe positives right now, and our, our, our friend Tom Lee at uh, Fundstrat, he's he's the, the permable, but he has some good points out there. And, you know, you, you look at you know, a lot of the housing, the shelter data that's showing over, you know, increases still is is stale data. It's lagging and it's really not being reflected on some of the real time data that's being reported out there. And that's the same thing with used car sales. You know, these these data readings that that are calculated for CPI are lagging. And but if you look at real time, I think some of the, the, the projections that are coming out there on the specialist providers of data that show these things are not where they currently are with CPI. So maybe, you know, a combination of year over year rolling off the base case and some of this lagging indicators or lagging data, you know, filtering its way into the CPI, maybe inflation is, you know, really not as bad and and maybe below 3% or, you know, right at 3%. And that's what's challenging about, I think, the, the Fed's job. You know, they've been so uh, determined to break inflation it takes months, if not quarters, for that to work its way through the economy. And that's probably, you know, the biggest positive that came out of today's Fed call uh, was the pause. Yeah, I think it's great that they paused. You're right. I mean, I think we've been calling for this, though. I, I, for, maybe they're a little late to the game, but they did pause today. That's big news. What was it? Ten straight meetings that we saw increases, a couple of 75s in there, a couple of 50s, you know, 25 so they did pause, uh, and I think that's a, a great thing. And and you know, but he was very adamant, Fed Chair Powell, in his. Now we're moving to to this part of the conversation. I'll stay to keep my blood pressure low here, but you know, he, he was a very hawkish announcement. You know, we go from one perspective of a dovish um, twenty five last meeting, and now we're going with a hawkish pause, pause. right, or skip, or however you want to talk about it in the June meeting. But he was extremely hawkish and i think that's why the market sold off uh, immediately 
was that they, they, they paused it, but they said July is, he said multiple times in his press conference, July is a live meeting. We talk about a live meeting. You're talking about, you know, that it's possible for another hike. And where we sit today after the Fed meeting from the Fed watch tool, there's a 60% chance that the Fed increases rates 25 basis points in July. So the market now is predicting a 25 basis point increase in July. You know, Sandy, I don't know how you feel. I'm calling no way. I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say they're not hiking rates in July. I just don't think they're going to. We're going to get on July 13th or around there the CPI reading of 3% at that point. Three, possibly, maybe 3-1. And then their meetings two weeks later on July 25th, 26th, 24th, 25th, somewhere in there. And they're going to hike. They're going to go 25 basis points at that point in time. I, I don't see it. How about you? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't see it either. And, and, and I think a lot of what uh, went on today was window dressing to crush ambition in in um, investors to not get ahead of themselves or too exuberant. There's so much positive going on with the economy. We'll talk about earnings expectations, and I think he sees that as the real enemy towards uh, fighting inflation. And so he's trying to talk the market down, keep things, you know, pessimistic. Look for the the, the negatives, uh, but in the in the reality of the thing, uh, things the market is going to find positives. There's a lot of great things going on. I'm excited about what's going on, and and I think I'm in the same camp you are. There's not going to be a rate increase. We may we may be eating our our words in a month, but I'm with you. I don't think it's going to happen. Maybe September. I'm not take, I'm not saying we're done, but I just don't see how July we could get to raising rates unless something is good going really, really well with the economy, that the unemployment picture is ticking down and inflation somehow surprises all of us. But where the data is headed, I don't see July. I, th- I, I personally think they're right now where I'm sitting done for the, the rest of the year or the cycle, but uh, I'm not as confident as that as I am the July, the July reading. Which it, what is interesting too, though, is after July, then you get um, Jackson Hole end of August before the next meeting, and you know that's sometimes a platform for something big and Some freer speak. Yeah, so we'll be interested. You know, Jackson Hole will be an interesting time in, in August because then the hike's not till September. You know, so now if we get through July, you're not seeing rates go back up until September 13th, maybe for the next Fed meeting. Um, so I, I mean. I think that's I think that's good that if rates stay where they are between now and, and middle of Jul- middle of September, we can kind of get a real shakeout from an economic standpoint on what's what's actually happening. And if you look at you know again, the, this just happened right. We're two hours after the meeting, so we don't have all the facts yet. We haven't combed through the data completely, uh, but it looked like Sandy that there were nine committee members, half the committee believe that there's going to be two more rate hikes or at least 50 basis points of rate hikes between now um i guess in the end of the year but when they look out forward for, forward looking in the future and, and one was even contemplating a one percent right four more hikes or or one percent which is wild and that brings me to you know the point that was made earlier on one of the talking heads that this was a unanimous decision to go tw- to go a pause here but yet you have these Fed officials that believe we're still going to be hiking. Well, why not do it now? Get it out of the way so we can move on if you really think it's going to be an issue. 
and you know what was made you know the possibility that this was kind of using the language of the meeting to be very hawkish to get everybody unanimously on board with the decision yeah and and talking about that that potential rate increase later on in the year we've we've got some really exciting data on earnings expectations and those two things together you know if you've got an economy that's really continuing to be hot earnings are still rolling and increasing, it may happen that, that we have a, a, a rate increase later on. But I, I think it's too early to, to speculate about that. Yeah, I mean, it would it would really surprise me and things got to be going in the wrong way. So what the Fed did was they increased their GDP prediction uh, forecast uh, for 2023. So the economy they're saying is stronger than they expected. They lowered their unemployment forecast. So that's two good things, right? Stronger labor market, better economic growth for 23 and yet we are still talking hawkishly about raising raising rates and i i just am having a hard time wrapping my head around that other than using the language as a tool like they always have to what you exactly what you said earlier and i think that's what they're doing is not they don't want the market off to the races and you look at some analysts who you know, uh, Tom Lee, as we mentioned earlier, he's finding all the positives of reasons where inflation is coming down rapidly and the Fed could really stop here and pause. Uh, I mean, that's a good thing. The other thing that that's shaken out of this now, which we've talked about in our invest- investor insights a number of times, is the Fed or the market was predicting rate cuts at the end of the year, the whole first part of the year that we were going to hike, 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 hike. And then, you know, cut at the end of the year. And we were, was baffling to us at that point. And now the market finally, I think there's only a 10% chance that they see rates lower at the end of the year than today. And I think that's good that the market comes to that realization that cuts are not coming. And and maybe it's a good thing. It's because the economy is strong and we don't need to have cuts. And that would be positive. Yeah. the, The flip side of that, though, is the Fed made it very clear today that they are committed to a 2% inflation factor. And to get there, um, it's going to mean a slowdown in growth and a softening of the job market. And you just commented how great things are going and the economy is moving in the right direction and labor, you know, the unemployment oh, rate. Hold on. I said the labor. Fed said that, right? I said the <laughs> Fed said GDP. The, the, all the leading economic indicators are still pointing to a recession. So the, the Fed chair was very positive about the economy here and i'm not on the same board at the economy level i I don't i think that's why we should pause and not rate hike that's where he was you know i think he's saying the economy is doing so well that we can hike further if need be to calm people down but i'm not on the board that we're through this and a recession's not coming yet I, i i don't i've been humbled for a while about this but there's still a lot of economic indicators out there, the leading economic indicators that are pointing towards a possible recession. But that's what makes this whole thing very, very difficult, correct? About yeah, keeping it out of the ditch here, picking a lane is very, very difficult because there's, there's conflicting information out there. But the underlying positive is that the economy is still resilient. The labor market is strong. Consumers have money in their pocket. And... Those things are, are favorable, but yet there's still, as we talked about early on, shelter is a big inhibitor uh, of, of the Fed hitting the target of 2%. Yeah, it's funny. I was just talking to a realtor on Monday, and her client 
offered a hundred thousand dollars over asking it up around here for a property to get it off the market and and was able to close on it but no 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 um contingencies no contingencies waived them all uh, and and the, they said the they were had three other offers or two other offers for people that didn't even see the house before it even hit the market i mean so it's that inventory thing on the housing that is going to continue to i think put pressure on housing prices, you know, just, and I think it's bullish for home builders, you know, really prices have settled in and as they're building, they're slow to build now because they don't know what 7% interest rates, but if they could get that select amount of people that can help with, um, you know, that can buy a house today at 7%, you know, home builders, I think are, could be shaping up after they had their part of the recession last year, sold off significantly, have rebounded this year, but that's an interesting part of the market too. And I'm, I'm fascinated by that, by, by the housing industry, because you would think 7% rates, what are you going to do? I mean, who, who wants that? But it also says these people that have 3% rates on their houses aren't going to move, or you better give a good reason to move and trade in a 3% rate for 7 Yeah, and, you know, I'm, I'm obviously a little older than you, and I remember, you know, rates of 15 18%. And if, if somebody has that perspective or that benchmark, as a reference point, then a 6% rate still looks pretty attractive. Yeah, well, you're correct, but the affordability part gets crazy too. I mean, house prices went up because we were at 0% interest rates, right? Yeah, or yeah. 2%, two and a quarter, whatever, two and a half. And now you, you double that. It's hard to say that house prices can continue to climb at such a high level when you have mortgages so much higher and that affordability is hard, but it's working. I mean, it's slow for sure because there's no inventory, but people are still, small percentages are still out there being able to buy. And I guess they're being sold on the fact that, oh, you could always refinance in, in 18 months and two years. So just suck it up for a year. You need to get a house now before it goes gets worse. Uh, but and then multifamily housing is, is just on fire. Construction, that's a big part of our economy. So right. A lot of good things going on, even even with the higher cost of capital. Yeah. Some of the other things that are, are, are favorable. Let's 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 play two sides of the coin. One, the most hated rally, and number two, a broadening of participation that is favorable uh, longer term. Yeah, let's talk about June, right? We talked. We had our investor insights two weeks ago, and we talked about how this rally was really being led by mega cap tech you know nvidia has been the big story artificial intelligence has been all the the hoopla and in the month of june alone so we're we're recording this june 14th this is actually as of june 13th and the s p is up four and a half percent still a very very strong month but mid caps are up 3.7.3 and small caps the s p small cap is up eight um the russell 2000 is up more than eight so very strong um, leadership from other places than than large cap and mid and small leading. And then you also have the S&P equal weight, which was, if you remember from our investor insights, flat line. it was flat. It was slightly negative when the market was up maybe 10. And now for the month, now this is only month of June, very short sampling here, but the, S, the equal weight's up 5.7 versus the S&P up 4.5. So 120 basis points of outperformance, it's still... Uh, year to date, 10%. The S&P is still outperforming by 10% over the equal weight. So a lot of room to go there from that perspective. But you've also seen month to date materials, the material sector, 
up over eight. You've seen industrials up 7.7. You've seen consumer discretionary up nine. Now that's some of that could be the Apple or the Amazons of the world as well. But good to see, I think really positive to see materials and industrials do, you know, much better in in the month of June. And that that is what we're looking for, right? We want to see more breadth of this rally. If it's going to continue to be led by mega cap tech, that's I don't know if that's a positive. What what is the economy? It can only it? last so long. Right, exactly. Although there's a lot of earnings coming from those companies, Meta and whatnot, you know, and there's a lot of hype. But I think this what we've seen so far is um, a very positive. You know, emerging markets up 5.9. We're seeing some action out of China now. There's some bullish notes out there on maybe China's about to recover after you know being very sluggish the first part of this year with some um, starts and stops. But yeah, I think breath is a uh, would be a great thing to continue to see, and I think it's been great what we've seen so far in June. I'd love to see that part continue, that more rounded out approach of the S&P and other parts, small and mid cap, do well. Well, and, and looking over uh, qu- corporate earnings and expectations there, you, I think that's going to be supportive of, of continued breadth in the market. Yeah, we, you know, there's a lot of different analyst reads out there on earnings. We like, you know, we use FactSet. We, we, you know, John Butters does a good job there, his release on Fridays. And right now, this is as of last Friday, June 9th that, you know, we, we're expecting second quarter earnings to fall by just over 6%. All right, maybe not a positive. That's be the third quarter in a row where earnings were negative. But I guess the third quarter, they're predicting 0.8% um, of growth, so positive growth right now. But I think fourth quarter is maybe the surprise, and that is 8.2% earnings growth for the fourth quarter. So we talk about you know the discounting mechanism of the S&P 500 or, or the market. Maybe the market's factoring in earnings in the fourth quarter and 2024 uh, and not what we're about to see you know for the second quarter and maybe the little sluggish growth in the third quarter. But that could be a positive influence on the market seeing where earnings are you know looking out. That'd be a nice Santa Claus rally, to say the least, wouldn't it? Yeah, unless we're already baking it in now, True. right? I mean, yeah. why are we up 14%? The S&P's up 14% as of yesterday. Um, and don't forget, in, this, in the first quarter, which we, we just got through earnings season, we were the, the analysts were way wrong, and they were wrong. They were more conservative or, or less positive on it. They, I think it started at 6.4%, 6.8% negative earnings growth for the first quarter, and where we ended now, we were at you know negative two percent. So I think that is another um, you know what if the analysts continue to be pessimistic and and things are better than you know what they're predicting, it could actually be much better. And we know, Sandy, you've been in this business a long time. Companies find a way to make money, right? They'll do layoffs, they'll cut off spending, they'll be more efficient, they'll do things. But companies, corporate America. They are phenomenal at adapting to, you know, inventory or supply chains. And they've had a tough go of it for a couple of years. And companies have, I think, you know, maybe that's why they surprise the analyst is companies, you know, will cut costs where they have to, when they have to, to one, appease Wall Street, but also to hit their earnings numbers, you know, for those incentives that those um, C-suite executives get. So, um, never underestimate, underestimate the consumer or corporate America. Yeah, and, and you, you mentioned the, 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 the perspective of fund managers and the, 
the fund manager sentiment index is as low as it's been in 15, 20 years. And, and that pessimism, I think, is keeping a cap on uh, just this market really continuing to take off. Cash looks attractive at four and change. 4.9, five. Yeah. yeah, and so there's a lot of cash on the sidelines. And if everybody, not everybody, if a lot of, con- a lot of investors continue to be pessimistic, I think it could be a very reasonable march higher. And if people get more people get excited about what's going on in the market and the expectations of, of economic expansion, that cash is going to come off the sidelines and, and, and could turn into a really, you know, nice rally into the end of the year. Yeah, and, and you know, you referenced the Bank of America Global Fund Manager Survey. And I, I think if you look at the, the difference in the last survey that was sent out for the most likely growth rate for global earnings over the next 12 months is now 0 to 5% for earnings per share over the next 12 months. Last, um, was it May? Last month, the report was the best response was 0 to 5 or yeah, 0 to negative 5. So you're seeing that sentiment increase. You're seeing uh, is that good or bad? I don't know. Um, there was a Barron's headline recently about bullishness too, and that's usually a counter indicator. But it still seems like there's a lot of pessimism out there. In that same survey, equities are still the most underweight position. Uh, so on the one hand, you're saying, well, if everybody's still bearish, you know, why would I want to be bullish? And and how does that work from a counter, you know, counter? It's kind of counterintuitive. Do you want to explain that to the audience? Well, I mean, just a, a, everybody knows Warren Buffett and likes to quote him, but he has a saying, you know, run towards fear and away from greed. Yeah. And so if, if you know, you want to buy things on sale. Yeah. And Well, when managers, they have a mandate. They have to be invested to a certain level, right? I mean, that that's just what, what they have to do. And if they have an underweight to equities, they could only be so underweight. If they have their... I think you've referenced, I don't know, the, the most underweight in, in 15 years or some level, they can't go anymore. So the selling of the big institutions is gone, right? It's, it's vanished in, in the thin air. They can't sell anymore. So they've already sold. So there's only two things they could do, sit there and collect their 5% in money market. Maybe they're happy to do that or put the money back to work. So that's why when sentiment's low, when managers are underinvested in equities, they can't sell anymore, and when they put, when they eventually put it back to work, the market Market's goes up. Go higher. Right, and if they just sit there waiting like they've been, it's hard to see the market go down because you don't have that institutional pressure of the market going down. So you know that it seems counterintuitive that why would you want to be investing when there's so much pessimism out there? But if they all they used to call it, they still do, I guess. The smart money is on the sidelines. Well, the, maybe it's not so smart. Well, yeah, and they're waiting, right? And and yeah. then once it comes, you want to be ahead of that. So that's why buying the low sentiment is a is a positive for, uh, not always, but generally speaking, it, it's a good time, a better time, and it's it's consistent with Warren Buffett's quote. Yeah, and, and and Bobby, you're you're you know you and I, I think, and we as a firm tend to be fundamental investors. We like to look at the cash flow, the balance sheets, that sort of thing. But if you look at some of the technicals of the market. You know, we're having higher highs, higher lows. That that higher re- lows. Yeah, yeah, higher lows. Yep. Yep. And so that 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 trough is pointed in the right direction. You know, that that range bound return structure really, to me, looks looks very nice. If we go all the way back to October lows, it's it's moving. You know, very very uh, systematically in the higher 
higher ranges. And if we have some continued good economic uh, earnings and conditions behind that, I think the market continue to can 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 continue to move higher. And I don't want to sound overly bullish, and I'm not suggesting we would change anybody's investment strategy based on short-term whims. You know, we'll touch on that at the end of our podcast today. Um, but I'm, I feel much better today than I felt in a long time based on what the Fed said and where the data is coming out over the last 30 days. Yeah, I'm glad you touched on the technical side because that was something we've talked about a few times this year and that we've kind of been in a trading range, right? It was a 3,800. We got as low as 36 maybe, um, but 3,800, 4,200, and 42 was, was the, the resistance. We couldn't. It. And now we're 43.72. Well, that 4,200 now, does that become the new um, – Support support on the downside. Well, that would be phenomenal, right? You know, we we blew through. That's around where we were, you know, August, mm-hmm. you know, of last year last even. Year. And you know, to see that as set a new support, I think is is a could be a very bullish sign. I think the one negative you said you liked what the Fed said today. The one thing that I keep coming back to in my head about the Fed, and I. I you know, why do I come back to it? I should just move on with my life. But here we are. Um, they just sound like, now, why do they sound like it? That's the other reason. They sound like they want to continue to hike until they break something, right? Mm-hmm. You made the comment earlier about where they are. They, they want the unemployment rate to go higher. They, they expect trend growth to come down in order to get to their goal. They feel like that's the bogey almost sometimes. Now, are they saying that to keep investors from from going all in and and pushing up the wealth effect and making people feel good? Maybe. But they also, you know, the Fed, wow, do they frustrate me because that's the thing. If they're going to hike until they break something, they don't need to hike anymore, at least based on the current data. And I, I just want them to pause where they are. And let's just let this thing go. And I think we're good to September. I think we're good to the end of the year. But um, so I don't like what they said, but I think they're saying it for the, I'm going to say for the right reasons of trying to control the market and not let it get away from us. Yeah, we're uh, very much on the same page there. Yeah. You know, again, the, the words that that they use, the sentiment, I think is, is um, you know, they're, they're, they're playing their part in this play. And they've got to continue to, you know, drive home their position. The pause, though, is, I think, counterintuitive to what they're really saying. But the pause, I think, is the right thing to do. I think the economic data should come in. Inflation should continue to look better. And if the economy can hold steady and we're not necessarily looking at, um, you know, uh, a tick up of inflation because sentiment is so strong, then I think we can have a, a a good rest of the year and maybe have that soft landing that we're all hoping for. Yeah, as we move to a close, you know, I just some of the the conversations I've had with clients lately, um, and and you could put weigh in on your thoughts, but you know, there's still that concern out there economically. You know, whether it's the pain of last year, the pain of '08, that people still think there's another leg down. And while that's you know one, you said it earlier you've got to find the right risk tolerance for you, the right risk perspective for you and stay with it. No matter what it is, don't worry about the cocktail parties. Don't worry about all these things. you got to stay what's in the right investment strategy for you. And last year, if you were in that, you held up much better. And you're still moving along this year. 
but it doesn't feel good. And I think that, that there's still the pessimism why I bring this up. Our clients, some of the clients I deal with are still just a little uneasy and nervous. And we talked about the, the uh, Bank of America Global Funds is still uneasy. I think those are bullish. I think of all things, those are the things that, that make me feel most comfortable. Um, and I think the Fed is, like I said, I hope they're on the, on the one end just trying to keep us all toned down, but they're done. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, as an investor, you got to focus on what's appropriate for you, what's the right risk level, and don't get greedy because um, you end up getting greedy at the worst times and you end up, you know, being pessimistic at the right time, at the wrong time. So, um, you know, that's all that's how all kind of ended. Any other thoughts before we close up this one? Yeah, it's, you know, you talked about the month of June and the data so far, and it's a short amount of time, but I think it's representative of what we believe is is a kind of the good bones of a, of a of a portfolio. You talked about small cap doing well. You talked about mid cap doing well. You talked about emerging markets and international doing well. You talked about large cap lagging a little bit. Well, who knows when these spurts are going to take place in a particular asset class? And so, not putting all your eggs in one basket, having exposure to different parts of our economy and the global economy. Uh, stocks, bonds, timber, you know, infrastructure. There's so many great places to invest. And why just pick one? Why not enjoy, you know, a basket of, of a broad, diversified portfolio? Yeah, that's a good way to end it. Uh, I'll just end with one more quote from the from the, the market. The VIX is at 13.8. Talk about being low, right? I mean, that's a reason to be concerned, I guess. So I want to leave on a, an optimistic note. So sorry for bringing up another potential negative. Yeah, well, we got one more second. Explain what you mean by that, because I think that's important. Well, the VIX is, you know, the, the old the fear indicator, right? Where, you know, it's what, low. It's low. And you think that's a good thing. Well, at some point, too low is it makes you nervous. Yeah. And the fact that it's it's down and, and, and maybe even down today, it looks like maybe 5% if I have the, the right data here as I'm trying to pull it up, um, when the market was kind of volatile, just as a little bit of concern that a lot of the that insurance that you put out there on the market to protect yourself, the hedges are coming off and seeing through this and maybe pushing the market, you know, um, thinking the market might go higher. But again, now you're moving that sentiment back to, to being bullish and that's a that that's a low VIX. That's a very a low VIX, especially where we've been over the last year. So what we'll do is we'll make a point to start our next uh, beer markets. We'll 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 benchmark where the VIX is today, and we'll pick up and 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 talk more about the VIX uh, and what's happened between now and our next our next podcast. All right, that, that's a, that's a good way to end it, Sandy. Thanks for that. We'll do that. I hope you all have a, a great um, June, and and we'll see you back here in a few weeks. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Beer Markets. For important disclosure information, please visit acgwealthmanagement.com forward slash podcast disclosure.